Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 4, Episode 1, starting a study in 1st and 2nd Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this first episode in Season 4, we begin the study in the books of 1st and 2nd Peter, where Peter introduces his letter and expresses praise for being born again to a living hope. Now, 1st and 2nd Peter are written as titled by the Apostle Peter. Well, some people believe this is too well written in Greek to be penned by a Galilean fisherman. But the reader needs to understand that Peter came from a middle to upper middle class family and was mostly likely educated in Greek in his youth as Greek was the language of commerce for the world, much like English is today. It was important for a business owner's son to know Greek. Peter's father had men working for him, so Peter and his brother Andrew were not necessarily poor fishermen. This letter was written near the end of Peter's life in Rome, probably written around AD 62 or 63. There's not any mention of the persecution of believers under Nero, so likely this has not started yet. When Peter mentions Babylon as a place where he was in chapter 5, this reference was to Rome, where he had wrote this letter. Now, the purpose of this letter was to encourage believers to stand fast against suffering and distress. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1 through verse, uh, verse 1 through verse 5. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for our obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. All right, let's look at verse 1 and 2 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. There is so much here that Peter writes so quickly. Peter addressed this authority immediately he was called out by God an apostle of Jesus Christ notice Peter does not jump into a greeting but a theological discourse on salvation and specific specifically addresses to those exiles of the dispersion these exiles were in cities that roughly made up a geographical circle all contained in modern-day Turkey These were elect exiles, meaning chosen by God, and exiles from heaven, or pilgrims, a chosen people. In 1 Peter 2, chapter 9 through 10, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church is God's chosen people. They're saved by the grace of Jesus. They were exiles in the fact that the world around believers find faith in God distasteful and strange. We have a citizenship, or believers have a citizenship that is not of this world. A divine status, not because believers are worthy or were noble, but because God gave his grace this undeserved favor gifted to those who believe. The dispersion that is capitalized here normally refers to Jews living outside of Palestine. But in this case, this is being used metaphorically as Peter was writing to mostly Gentiles in this area of, uh, of Asia Minor. But still the people of God, that they were still distinct from the world. Persecution was very intense in these areas, especially in Pontius. These areas were all Roman provinces of Asia Minor. Verse 2 again says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 2 continues the sentence in verse 1, addressing the dispersed that God has foreknown. The word foreknowledge is the Greek word prognosin, or prognosis, which where we get that same word today, the understanding of what was to take place. This is not a passage about predestination necessarily, but Christ being the source of grace that provides salvation, knows who will accept God's call and accept the free offer of grace and the sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification is a big word, but it simply means to be made holy. This is both instantaneous and it's also developed over a long time. God makes believers holy. God makes believers righteous through the Spirit of God. This holiness is the basis for obedience to Christ. Obedience is an ongoing process that all believers continue to go through. And then the sprinkling with his blood would be a callback to the law where the sprinkling of blood of a sacrificed animal would pronounce someone to be clean. Or in a case uh, that we'll see in Leviticus chapter 14 is to pronounce a leper clean after they are healed. Leviticus 14, 1-7 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him, who is to be cleansed, two live clean birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet yarn, and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. 
then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. This was a picture of cleansing and forgiveness. Sanctification, obedience, and sprinkling are three different ways of describing the conversion of believers. We see that in Exodus chapter 24 when the covenant was being agreed to. Exodus 24.3 says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the blood of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So in this passage, we see a covenant sealed with a sacrifice where blood is shed and sprinkled on the altar. The people pledge obedience. And then Moses then sprinkles the people with the blood signifying this adopted covenant. Peter is using this example to demonstrate the actions of Christ and the completion of the forgiveness of sin, where believers' sins were washed away, just as we see in the Old Covenant, but they were inaugurated with the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ, Christ's blood on the cross. Then verse 2 ends with a prayer wish for grace and peace to be multiplied to those who hear this letter. And we see in these two verses where the Father foreknows, the Spirit sanctifies, and the sun cleanses. All right, let's look at verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now these three verses are one short sentence and one very long one. Peter is stating that God should be blessed or praised. Praised because believers have been giving, given a new life and a guaranteed future glory. Salvation is because of God's mercy, God's grace, God's sovereignty. Because of God's mercy, God has provided the way that we can attain salvation to be born again with a living hope. Note that a living hope is a vital hope, not a hope that is empty and vain. It is an assurance of salvation. It is a hope of assurance, not I hope so. Christ's own resurrection from the dead is a pledge of a future resurrection and a future resurrected body. Those who are persecuted in the region of Asia Minor do not have dashed hopes, but they have a living one, 
that looks forward to our triumph over death. How is that further described? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Notice that Peter calls it an inheritance. It's not earned. It's given. And it's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept by God himself for believers. This inheritance is eternal life with God. This inheritance, this eternal life with God, was prepared from the foundation of the world. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, 34, that the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Peter is saying, although we may suffer now as sojourners and aliens, there is a future inheritance that can never perish, that is absolutely secured for believers. It is kept for us. Verse 5 says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? The living hope we have is through our salvation. Salvation from what? Well, salvation is being rescued from God's judgment. It's being rescued from God's wrath on the last day. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved. We will be saved by him by the wrath of, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Salvation, a living hope from a righteous and loving God that only requires repentance, confession, and accepting Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Salvation is a past reality. It is a present reality and it is also a future reality. Secured by Christ on the cross, a present reality and a living hope that believers have, and a future fulfillment when Christ returns. Our faith is sustained through God's power. And next week, we will see the result of this faith in God bringing joy regardless of circumstances. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Biblical Tapestry has a Facebook and Instagram page. I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've gained from this study. God bless, and I pray that you are well next week.
1 Peter 1, joy in suffering. 